Apple unites different groups like no other company in America. Consumers, entrepreneurs, investors, software engineers all have a stake in Apple's success and an opinion on its future. Lately, that future is in some doubt. Apple shares dropped after the market closed on Thursday. Shares are now 20% below their October record highs, shedding more than $220 billion in market cap. Apple now on pace for its worst quarter in a decade. I'm Alex Ewell, and welcome to The Readback. This week, I'm joined by Barron's reporter, Tay Kim. Tay, you've been covering Apple closely for months. It turns out that the company had this really pivotal moment in November. Take us back to that. So Apple's stock was soaring for most of 2018. The stock was up nearly 40% by early October. It was the first U.S. publicly traded stock to hit a trillion dollars in market value in August. But then it all kind of fell apart on their November 1st, September earnings call. Good day and welcome to the Apple Incorporated fourth quarter fiscal year 2018 earnings conference call. They lowered their December quarter sales guidance by a little bit for street expectations. But the big thing was they decided to reduce transparency in terms of iPhone unit sales. Starting with the December quarter, we will no longer be providing unit sales data for iPhone, iPad, and Mac. Telling analysts that they won't be offering that data going forward. So it wasn't something they said that really got everyone worked up. It was actually something they said they were no longer going to say. Exactly. And analysts kind of freaked out. They kind of remember what happened to Research in Motion back in 2010 when they decided not to give out subscriber data going forward. Research in Motion, the maker of the famous BlackBerry. Yes, that not many people use anymore. (laughs) Right. So what happens is when companies don't give critical pieces of data they've given before in the past, analysts get worried. iPhone sales represent 60% of Apple's revenues. So for something critical like that, it's probably a bad signal of what's to come. Apple stock fell big on that November announcement, and it's really gotten worse from there. Can you take us through the last few months? So after that November 1st, we started seeing all these iPhone chip suppliers bring down their guidance by a significant amount. Alumentum, which is a maker of 3D laser sensors, lower their guidance. Apple shares diving 5% today after one of its facial recognition suppliers called Lumentum cut its outlook, citing reduced shipment requests. And they basically said at an investor conference the day after that their largest customer went from asking for orders to be shipped faster to less than two weeks later, cutting orders. And who is that largest customer? In their annual filings, they list Apple as the 30% customer for their sales. So it didn't take much to connect the dots, even though they never actually mentioned the name Apple. Exactly. And Corvo, another wireless chip maker, that same week lowered their guidance, saying that they saw weaker demand from a flagship smartphone customer. And they actually emphasized that other parts of the business was doing fine. So everyone could know that it was Apple that was cutting orders. And Apple was a 36% sales customer for them. That went on through most of the rest of 2018. Apple sort of continued to slide. Then the beginning of the year, 2019, maybe a fresh start for the company or what some might have hoped would be a fresh start for the company, we got this very surprising letter from Tim Cook. Now we have some developing news from Apple. Their announcement is sending stocks tumbling. Overnight, the company's stock was down 8%. That's an estimated $50 billion in value wiped out. The letter came out last week, and they warned 
that their December quarter was going to be much worse than they expected. And their December quarter just is their holiday quarter. Yes, it's the three important. months ending in December. It was 8% worse than what the Wall Street estimates had, and it also missed their guidance by a mile. So give us real numbers there. How many billions of dollars on revenue did Apple suddenly say we're going to miss by? So the street was at $91.3 billion, and they said approximately they're going to come in at $84 billion. So it's a massive multi-billion dollar miss in sales. And not the kind of thing that a professional big company generally gets wrong to that degree? Especially Apple. They haven't done that in the past. Tim Cook wrote this letter. He then went on TV to talk about it. What were the examples, what were the reasons he was giving for how Apple could suddenly miss so many billions of dollars in revenue? So Cook laid out like a bunch of reasons. Tim, thank you so much for taking the time to chat. We appreciate it. Thank you for coming. From deteriorating China macro conditions. As we look at what's going on in China, the it's clear that the economy began to slow there for the second half. To lower wireless carrier subsidies. There's not as many subsidies as there used to be from a carrier point of view. Back in the day, we all remember we could get an iPhone for $190. That's because the Verizons and AT&Ts of the world actually, at least in the upfront, paid for a big part of our phone. Maybe they worked it into our plans, but basically we had no choice. We, we got a new phone, it was only $199. Now it's upwards of 1000 so it makes sense that fewer people are upgrading. And then the other thing is they blamed these batteries. In addition to those two things, we've started a program worldwide uh, where we dramatically lowered the battery replacement price. Basically saying, you can now replace your battery for cheap, and if you can do that, why bother upgrading the phone? And these are all factors that, that have been in the marketplace for either a few quarters or years. So to bring up these excuses now doesn't make any sense. And so that makes you think, what's really the problem? Well, the key reason is they flubbed the product cycle this year. People didn't really want to buy the iPhone XR. So basically, they came out with new phones in September like they do every year. And this time, perhaps more than other recent years, people just said, you know what? We're not that into these phones. We're going to hold them, and we're not going to buy a new phone this year. Exactly. The iPhone XR was their biggest offering this year, $750 a more a second-tier phone compared to their $1,000 iPhone XS. And people don't want a second-tier iPhone. All the reviews that came out, for the most part, were raves. They said, guys, this is the best iPhone you can ever get, and it's $250 cheaper. Yeah, the display is not quite as good. Yeah, the camera's not quite as good. But everyone's going to go crazy for this phone. That's kind of not what happened. You just saw consumers not really caring about this second-tier iPhone. This is a luxury kind of consumer brand, and everyone wants the best iPhone. It seems like what this is teaching us, and, and who knows whether Apple is at some point going to talk about this, but that Apple really is, like you said, a luxury brand, and there's just no market, and there never really has been for kind of a mid-tier, a new mid-tier iPhone. And this has happened before during the iPhone 5C era. That was, was the a, colorful one, right? Exactly. Um, they put different colors on the iPhone and it was their mid-tier iPhone and it wasn't accepted. And funny consumer. enough, it seems like colors we could use always cause a problem for Apple because wasn't the XR also available in colors? Yes, multiple colors. So it turns out people just want a phone, the best phone that works, but this color thing that Apple tries every few years doesn't really work for them. And it also probably shows people that they bought the cheaper iPhone and that's not the impression that you want to give to your friends. And... Apple missing the product cycle this year 
it happens. Apple has missed multiple product cycles over the past decade. Uh, we have this tendency to go from extreme optimism on Apple every time they do well and extreme pessimism when they miss a product cycle. But this is historically what Apple has done. And I think we should not extrapolate what Apple has done in the recent past. We should always look at the whole history of Apple and say, oh, this has happened before and things will likely get better. So you were bearish on the stock in November. You said it could keep going down. I remember your column well. You said it could go to $165. Now the stock's in the 140s. You don't feel quite as bearish as you did. Yes. And, and part of the reason is the sentiment has really went from super bullish when the stock was at highs. All these Wall Street analysts were raising their targets left and right. And now after the December warning, which everyone should have foreseen with all the supply chain stuff, all these same analysts are lowering their price targets left and right. One analyst downgraded the stock saying, oh, there's too much uncertainty now. Like The stock is down 40% from its highs and you're downgrading it because there's uncertainty now. That seems pretty useless to me. You now see brighter days ahead. Why is that? I think they still dominate in many of the developed markets. It has a bulletproof balance sheet, a loyal customer base. All the things that people loved about Apple when the stock was higher are still true today. And if you look at the valuation, it's trading about 10 times lower earnings estimates for the forward next 12 months. And Tim Cook also said in that letter that they're going to bring their net cash position, the $130 billion, down to neutral, which means back to zero. So that's basically hinting at either bigger stock buybacks, higher dividends, or big merger or acquisition to really boost the shares going forward. So they're finally telling us, and I think they've been talking about this for a few months now, they're finally telling us we're going to take this cash that we've had that our great business has generated over the years and finally either put it to use or hand it back to you, our shareholders. Exactly. And obviously, with a higher dividend yield or a bigger stock buyback, uh, that usually is a floor for a stock or it could even drive a stock higher. And when you say that Apple is trading at 10 times earnings, I think it's just important to put a little context on that. That basically means for every dollar of earnings that Apple generates, investors are paying $10 a share. If we look at the broad market, this is every company in the S&P 500, the similar P ratio, as it's called, is 15 times. So basically, Apple, this great brand that everyone loves, everyone knows, hundreds of millions of people use, is trading at a significant discount to kind of the typical company. That seems strange. Yeah, the company with the most powerful brand uh, that's beloved by consumers has this massive $130 billion of net cash on its balance sheet is priced at a significant discount to the market. That just doesn't make sense to me. As we're talking, most of the tech world is actually gathered in Las Vegas for CES, the annual technology show. They're talking about lots of different things, augmented reality, virtual reality, AI. One of the big ones is 5G, which, of course, is the next generation of wireless standards that promises all sorts of things like faster speeds to our phones, better ways to connect all these devices. How important is 5G likely to be for Apple? So I think... It's going to be very important for Apple. It's going to enable a whole new array of killer applications that we don't even know about now. The issue is it's probably not a 2019 story, but the great thing is investors tend to anticipate the future. So if 5G is coming in 2020, the stock might move in 2019. Uh, we have this example of the large screen iPhone 6 back in 2014. The six months before 
the iPhone 6 was released, the stock moved dramatically. So as investors anticipate like a future growth cycle going forward, 5G could be very uh, advantageous to Apple stock. And unlike the iPhone XS or the iPhone XR, which got you kind of these little things like a better camera, maybe a better battery, the 5G phone talks about like a real upgrade and it's not software driven, right? So you're not going to get it unless you purchase that phone. Yes, it requires a whole new wireless chipset that will be able to accept all the transmissions from the new 5G towers. They're going to be installed everywhere. And of course, as you pointed out, if investors wait until the consumers have them in their hands, they, are, they will likely miss the opportunity. Yeah, stock prices always anticipate the future and discount the future earnings. So you always want to be in, in there before the, the release actually happens. And let's talk about one more thing with respect to Apple. You can't follow Apple these days as an investor and not hear about, quote, services, which is this idea of iTunes, iCloud, music, perhaps even a video subscription package. That's the thing that Apple really wants to push these days, and it's probably part of why they want you not to be talking about how many iPhones they've sold. They want you to be talking about the products that they're selling into this ecosystem. How important is the services story? Frankly, the smartphone market is just going to be flat over the next few years, maybe a big uptick when 5G comes around. But services is a recurring revenue stream where Wall Street tends to give much higher earnings multiple towards because you don't have to start over every year. Services, everyone has it on their credit card. They have Netflix on their credit card. And people tend to just let it go instead of kind of cancel every year. So that's almost the opposite of the iPhone, where everyone's obsessing each year over how many iPhones they've sold. With services, the idea is it just kind of goes and keeps going. Yes. And Apple has been hinting about coming video streaming service to compete with Netflix. They've hired two very famous TV executives over the past couple of years. And we just saw from CES last week that they're going to put their iTunes app on Samsung TVs. So these are all signs that this video services business is coming from Apple. And the whole idea, too, then, is you make the iPhone ecosystem that much more sticky, right? Yes. And the people that are already in the ecosystem with their iPads and their AirPods, they're going to stay inside the iPhone iOS ecosystem. And if you're Apple, you hope that means it doesn't really matter whether they're using that ecosystem from an iPhone 10, an iPhone 10R, an iPhone 10S. Apple's going to get revenue from them regardless. Yes. So if you're watching Apple video streaming content on a Samsung TV, Apple gets that revenue and wins in the end. Thanks for joining us today. All right. Great to be here. Thanks. You can read Take Kim's latest story on Apple in this week's edition of Barron's. And as always, on Barron's.com. I'm Alex Yule. The show is produced by Meta Lipsoft. Before we say goodbye, we ask one favor. Please give us a review on iTunes or an Apple's podcast app. The readback will return next Wednesday.